This talk is from our series on Covenant. Journey with us as we ask what does Covenant mean and what relevance does it have in our relationship with Jesus. For more information, other resources and media, please visit citychurchleads.net Hello, good afternoon, got it right this time. <laughs> on your tables, you'll see there's one of those. Now, in this light, I'm just hoping it's not too small. Have that ready. If you've already read it, great. I'm going to talk about covenant being countercultural. And I'm, I'm using this as a reference. We're going to read some of the verses in it, but do take it home and have a look at the whole chapter. Um, in preparing for this, I went back and listened to all the covenant talks because I'd missed a couple of them. And I just, again, want to encourage you all to, to go back and listen to them, even if you heard them the first time, because um, God can remind you of things. So for me, at the heart of this whole subject of covenant is the fact that God is in covenant with himself, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, this sweet communion that we talked about and that's a bit high, isn't it, Max? I can't see you over the top. And that would be an awful omission. And if that's what God is like, and God has created us in his own image, then that's what we should be like, yes? And because Jesus Christ paid the price on the cross so that we could recover that relationship with God so that we could come back to God and find that covenant with him now not only are we in covenant with God this close relationship but we are in covenant with everybody else who says God is my father and Jesus died on the cross for me yes so there's this covenant relationship with everyone and the further challenge from that that Adam gave us was that if the same power that raised Christ from the dead is at work in me, and it is, and it's in work, at work in you, and if Jesus tells us to declare something in his name, and it will be done, and we're going to abide in him and he's going to abide in us and there's going to be no beginning and no end to where God starts and we start and he ends and we end then we can declare that things should be the way they should be because we're speaking God's words we get beyond the point where we say in Jesus's name and we say so it should be I find that incredibly challenging I'm, I'm not saying that I've got there. I'm saying this is what is challenging me. This is what is hitting me. <clears throat> this is fantastic. We've had some really inspirational talks. And now I don't want to put a damper on things, but I want to see how it works in practice. Because this morning, what I'm going to talk about is covenant is counter-cultural. Now, we're not going to be like those in, you know, in the letter of James, he talks about the man who looks in a mirror, turns away from the mirror, and forgets what he looks like. We're not going to be that man. We are going to be the man, or woman, who looks in the mirror, 
sees what they're like, looks in the word, sees what the word says about them, and thinks, yes, that's what God intended. And then they go out and they do whatever God has told them to do. You show me your faith and I'll show you my works. Because if we're motivated by God's amazing love, that's just what we're going to do. We're going to demonstrate God's love to a hurting world. Right, okay, first time to refer to this. The message. This is the message version. And I've put it in this version deliberately because I, it's unfamiliar to me. So it makes me sit up and take notice of what it's saying. Would somebody like to read <clears throat> the second paragraph? It says verses 4 to 6. Just stick your hand in the air. Yep, go ahead. Do you want to... Oh, have we got a microphone that we... Sorry, I didn't warn you about that, did I? <laughs> you can cope, can't you? <laughs> Lauren's going to read it. You are all called to travel on the same road and in the same direction. So stay together, both outwardly and inwardly. You have one master, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who rules over all, works through all and is present in all. Everything you are and think and do is perm permeated with oneness. That's right. And the first thing that hits me about that is that Paul is absolutely assuming that we understand this, that we are one. That as this family of believers here, as the worldwide church, we are one. <clears throat> the sort of unity that I talked about right at the beginning between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, I said earlier, that means that everybody who says, God is my Father, Jesus died on the cross for me, that makes them my brother or sister. That makes me your brother or sister. No, just my sister, <laughs> your sister. That makes me your sister, whether you like it or not. Just, <laughs> well, one person's okay with that, so that's, that's good. And he also says somewhere else in Scripture about don't give up meeting together like some people are in the habit of doing. There's this feeling of, of oneness that we have to get together. Um, now, when Pat was talking in her talk during the Restoration series about um, uh, love and grace and things like that, she was talking about community. She was asking us, do you remember, she said, okay, what community do you belong to? And some of you said school. Um, <clears throat> and there was university and work and the street that you live on, the place where you... Um, do whatever you do, perhaps it's mums and tots, or, and there were the virtual communities, and she was saying, yeah, we all like to be part of those communities, don't we? And she's right, we do, don't we? And is that surprising? God is a community with him, himself, he's made us in his image. Of course we want to be part of communities. So what is it that gets in the way of that? And I just want to look at some things that stop us, because if maybe we can identify why we don't always live that out, maybe we can get past that and, and fulfill what God has asked us to do. So, <clears throat> the talk is, uh, covenant is countercultural. Okay, what to you is culture? I mean, is it, if it's countercultural, does that mean 
You don't go to the ballet and go and see the opera. Anybody want to be brave and say, what is culture to them? Just, just a shout out, quick. What comes to mind when I say culture? <clears throat> yeah, go on. Culture is something that um, you don't notice until it's different. Oh, very good. Yeah, I like that. Check you out. Huh? Yeah. So, so what, what sort of things are culture then? Can anybody? You can come up with some really obvious answers. There's no right or wrong answer. Uh, Mark and, uh, and I were just chatting about this the other day. Um, one thing culture is uh, the way you interact with people, the way you, uh, how you behave towards someone who's new, someone you know. Yeah, good. And Rizal over there was going to say something. <clears throat> Some of the things we eat, we eat different things. Uh, I like rice and peas and haki uh, is selfish, but just different dishes. Yeah. Know. Yeah, right. We'll have one more from Pete. Oh, wait for the tape. Uh, culture is the way we do things. Yeah. Would you say it was fair to say that culture is everything that has made us who we are right now? Everything that we've experienced up to now. Would you say that, is that a fair definition? Can I get away with that? Yeah. <laughs> well, apart from Fiona, I can get away with that. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so would it also be fair to say that sometimes... Our past experiences can really get in the way of how we do things now. Say if, for instance, you had um, a dad who maybe wasn't there, or if he was there, didn't treat you very well. Perhaps he abused you physically or sexually. Something like that would make it extremely hard to understand that your heavenly Father, God, is perfect and loves you unconditionally and only wants the very best for you. And similarly, if we say that churches are our heavenly family, if you like, in a place where you're meant to find safety and protection and encouragement and unconditional love. Because I don't know who's listening to this, you see. I, you're here, and this may apply to you, but there may be people that listen online to this, and I'm aware of them as well, that they may have been in a church situation where they were abused, either spiritually or physically or sexually. It does happen. And while I was preparing for this, I, just, I was just thinking of those people and thinking, it is no wonder that they find it hard to see the church as their family, a place of safety, a place of protection. And I wanted us to take a couple of minutes just to pray for those people because they're in a really difficult situation, a really difficult place. Father God, we bring before you all those who have known hurt in a place where they should have known safety. All those who have known abuse where they should have known love. Father God, <clears throat> we know that wasn't your will. 
we know that you are a wonderful, loving, heavenly Father who loves us unconditionally, who only wants the best for us. And we pray for those people now that they will allow your love to come back into their lives, that they will somehow find others who love you that they can form relationships with and discover once again the love that you intended of Christians being a family, protecting and loving and caring for each other. Amen. <clears throat> Whatever your experience in the past, I want us to be able to get past that and to think about some of the other things that might get in the way. Um, <clears throat> so I was thinking about culture, and I was thinking one of the ways that really sticks out for me where you suddenly realize what the differences are is when you try and translate a joke into another language. Because it is so difficult. Because there are so many shared assumptions. There are so many things that we think we all know in common. Although I'd hate to try and translate, say, an Iranian joke into English or an English joke into Iranian. It's really comfortable, isn't it, when we're with people who all have this shared culture with us and we can joke about things and, and they know us and they know how we tick. It's really comfy, isn't it? It's nice. It's good fun. And yeah, that's how it should be. It's good fun. But actually, God has called us to more than that. And um, <clears throat> let's look at, where are we? Oh, yeah, we read that section before, that second paragraph um, that Lauren read. And let me just go on to the beginning of this next bit. It says, but that doesn't mean you should all look and speak and act the same. Out of the generosity of Christ, each of us is given his own gift. So there may be these shared assumptions amongst some of us, but we're not actually meant to be all the same. We're meant to be different. Now, it's at this point that those of you who are Miranda fans will understand when I say that I have brought with me some fruit friends. Now, my first... I've only got a couple of fruit friends. Now, my first fruit friend, it, it's Mr. Anxious Apple because I thought he did look really rather anxious about the whole thing when I got him out. There's Mr. Anxious Apple. And, and my second fruit friend is, well, he's a bit of a wide boy, really, Mr. Banana. There's Mr. Banana. And um, he, as you can see, he's had a bit of an accident. So I call him Arthur Banana. Okay. <laughs> now, <laughs> um, courtesy of the most recent Miranda episode, not only does she now have fruit friends, 
She also has Veggie Pals. So the Veggie Pals that I've brought with me today, there's um, Miss Corn. And for some reason, I really felt she was a Susie Corn. I don't know why, it just, it just fitted somehow. And then I've got a rather shy Mrs. Sweetheart Cabbage. There you go, there's Mrs. Sweetheart Cabbage. And she really is a sweetheart. She's, yeah, there we go. And, um, and I give you Mr. Butternut Squash. Look at him, there we go. He, he starred on Miranda recently, but he's, um, is he hidden? I oh, know he's there, there we go. Well, here we have two fruit friends, three veggie pals. That's five, isn't it? And you know that you need your five a day to keep healthy. And also, <laughs> it gets worse. If you look further down in this paragraph that I just read from, after he climbed the high mountain and everything, it says, <clears throat> uh, Jesus in the second line, he handed out gifts above and below, filled heaven with his gifts, filled earth with his gifts. He handed out gifts of apostle, prophet, evangelist, and pastor, teacher. You see, there are five. To be healthy, we need our five a day. I'm going to go beyond that. We know, don't we? We need our five a day to be healthy. But also, have you heard the expression, we need to eat a rainbow? Yeah. It's, the five a day is a minimum. You have to eat a rainbow. Because, you see, <clears throat> the five a day and eating a rainbow means that not only do you get all these different textures and flavors, because if we were eating just, you know, all the vegetables tasted the same, it would be really boring, wouldn't it? But with all these different textures and flavors, it's more interesting. And you need the rainbow because in fruit and vegetables, you've got different vitamins, different flavonoids. There's fiber and there's, there's all these different micronutrients. It's all very good for us. We need them to be healthy. So I'm saying that not only do we need, and we absolutely do need, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, and pastors, and teachers amongst us. But actually, it's really important that we eat a rainbow. We need all the different gifts that God has put in you, that God has put in you, that God has put in you, because without all those different gifts, without all those different flavonoids, <laughs> <laughs> or micronutrients. You like flavonoids. They very, make you very happy. <clears throat> Without all those different things, oh, it's a little unbalanced, isn't it? Excuse me. We can't be healthy, and we need to be healthy. We need to grow up strong. If you look further down, I, I love this Ephesians 4. It does everything for me. In verse 14 to 16, no prolonged infancies amongst us, please. We'll not tolerate babes in the woods, small children who are an easy mark for imposters. God wants us to grow up, to know the whole truth, and tell it in love, like Christ in everything. We are called to grow up. We need to grow up and be mature, and we cannot do that 
without all the gifts that God has put in each one of us. We need every single one of us. I was so pleased that um, Derek and John came out this morning because I wanted to just remind us again about that verse that says, when you come together, everyone has a psalm, a hymn, a word of instruction, a word of knowledge. Because we need that for the building up and in the encouragement of the body. So let me encourage you, come prepared on a Sunday afternoon. Got it right. Sunday afternoon to, to bring those words of encouragement for the body so that we can all grow up into the full measure and maturity of Christ. We need each other. There's the proverb that talks about iron sharpening iron, isn't there? As we meet together and we talk and we interact together, we, we work on projects together and uh, we just get together and do stuff. Iron sharpens iron. Unfortunately, there's another proverb that says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. Oh, that's not quite so comfortable. But there are times, you know, if you're going to have friendships, you've got to make yourself vulnerable. And it's at that point when you're spending time with your friends and maybe they say to you, uh, you know what you said the other day? Oh dear. But we need it to rub the edges off. We need it to rub the rough bits off and to sharpen us so we're honed. We're made from those grotty lumps of coal into a diamond. Yeah, I know that's through pressure, but it's all part of the same thing. But that's uncomfortable. But I did warn you that God wants us to go beyond just the comfortable. Now, <clears throat> can you see then that we need to be individuals, but we can't go it alone? There is no room for individualism. Yeah? Yeah? It's really important because God made you uniquely. God made me uniquely. There's something that you and I can bring to this group of people that nobody else can bring. So we need to play our part. Right. I need some volunteers now. Now, I want sort of older teenagers, 20s, 30s, older if you feel reasonably fit, I'm only talking about my level of fitness. I'm not talking about anything special. So would you like to come out to the front? Come on, guys. Quick, 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 quick. Go on. Stand up. Come on, Jess. Yes, go on. Come on, you can do it. Come on. Yeah, I need about 10. I need about 10 of you. No, you don't have to be fit, fit. It's just I didn't want you falling over and hurting yourself. No, 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 no. In fact, Jess... Lovely Jess. Come here. I'd just like you to sit on that chair. No, no, no tricks, no tricks. Now, is that nice and easy? Is that comfortable? Yeah, you can do that. That's no problem. Okay. Now, can you stand up, please? Now, I am taking the chair away. I'm not going to... Now, I want you to pretend that the chair is there and try and sit down on it. Okay. Just sort of bend and try... Is, is that okay? Is it... It's, it's not comfy, is it? It's a bit difficult. And actually, you're not very low down, are you? That's not, yeah, you're going to fall. No, no, stop, stop, stop. I don't want you hurting yourself. So there we go. So we've established that really it's very difficult to do. 
Now, what I want you to do, guys, is make a circle. Make a circle. Make, on the stage, that would be good, yeah. Get, make a circle. And I want you to get close. Get close. Get close. Get close. Somebody knows what they're doing. Oh, yeah. All turn to your left. Put your hands on the waist of the person in front. Put your hands on the waist of the person in front. Waist of the person. Waist, waist of the person. Oh, okay. Uh, actually, do you know you're too close? Can you make a circle rather than... Can I just bring you out a little bit? Okay, right. When, when I... I'm going to... Ca- hey, oi! Ben Jones. When I count to three, I want you to sit down slowly and carefully. Are you ready? One, two, three, sit. How are you doing? Are you on? <laughs> That's very good. Okay. And now you're going to stand up. One, two, three, right. Yay. Well done. <laughs> Thank you. You can go and sit down on a proper chair now. <laughs> well done, guys. That was really good. You see, with cooperation, what you can achieve. (laughs) With cooperation. I want you to go down to verse 25. It's partway through the last big paragraph. And I want some volunteers to read verse 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, 31, 32. So wave your hand in the air like you just don't care. Where's the, can you run around with the microphone as well? Is that all right, Mark? You're good at that. So put, you, put your hand in the air if you're going to read verse 25. Yeah, there we go. There's a volunteer there. Okay. Uh, verse 26, 27. Can I have a volunteer for 26, 27? Thank you, Derek. That's great. Verse 28. Yes, lovely. Uh, 29. 29, 29. Somebody give me a 29. Somebody read 20. Oh, thank you very much. Kathy over there. Um, then, Caroline, can I put you down for verse 30 then? Is that all right? And 31, 32, who was it waved their hand over here? John. Great. Okay. So, if you can put your hand up if you're the person who's going to read 25. Okay. Can you read verse 25? What this adds up to then is this No more lies, no more pretense. Tell your neighbor the truth. In Christ's body, we're all connected to each other after all. When you lie to others, you end up lying to yourself. Okay, 26, 27, it's over there. Go ahead and be angry. You do well to be angry, but don't use your anger as fuel for revenge. And don't stay angry. Don't go to bed angry. Don't give the devil that kind of foothold in your life. Good. Verse 28, who's doing that? Yeah. Did you used to make ends by stealing? Well, no more. Get an honest job so that you can help others who can't work. Good. Verse 29. (laughs) That was read with feeling. That was excellent. Verse 29. Who was verse 29? All right. You could have put your hands up in order, like, you know. Watch the way you talk. Let nothing foul or dirty come out of your mouth. Say only what helps, each word a gift. Okay, verse 30. Don't grieve God. 
don't break his heart. His Holy Spirit moving and breathing in you is the most intimate part of your life, making it fit for himself. Don't take such a gift for granted. Good. Verse 31. <clears throat> Make a clean break with all cutting, backbiting, profane talk. Be gentle with one another, sensitive. Forgive one another as quickly and thoroughly as God in Christ forgave you. So I'd like to call those general guidelines. General guidelines for living together. So in an ideal setup, we're not going to lie to each other. We're going to tell each other the truth in love. We're not going to use any anger we might be feeling as fuel for revenge. And we're not going to sit and sulk. We're not going to steal. We're going to get an honest job so that we can help other people out who haven't got enough. We're going to stay close and sensitive to God, sensitive to his Holy Spirit. And we're going to make a clean break with all... Oh, I've missed one out. It must be that I'm feeling guilty about that. Um, watch the way you talk. Let nothing foul or dirty come out of your mouth. Say only what helps. Sorry? Oh, <laughs> yeah, yes, I know you read that one. I missed it out, didn't I? And I thought, really? Oh, there we go. Because I was going to say, there are times when I go, I shouldn't have said that. So I know that one hits me. So whatever hits you, you take it to heart. Make a clean break with all cutting, backbiting, profane talk. Be gentle with one another, sensitive. And because we are human beings, and because we foul up, the last bit is there as well. Forgive one another quickly, as thoroughly as God in Christ forgave you. Sometimes I think we get a bit oversensitive because we think we're Christians, we should know better, and so we expect higher standards of the people around us. Sometimes maybe we just need to realize that we have bad days. <laughs> and forgive each other. Now, not only do we sometimes fail on that basic list, I would like to just look at the way sometimes our culture gets in the way. You know, all those things that we've experienced, all the assumptions we make, all the things, sometimes prejudices, or sometimes it may just be the way we do things, the way we assume things should be done. And I just want to confess to um, a prejudice, if you like, of my own. <clears throat> this is um, a loo roll. And um, I'd just like to talk about this loo roll for a moment because you see it's very important, loo rolls. When you put them on the loo roll holder, um, it's very important that they go from the back to the front over the top. Now, let me assure you, if I go to your house and you've got it the wrong way around, I won't change it because, you know, what you do under your own roof is up to you. And I won't think any the less of you. But I'd just like to say that I've spent a long time thinking about which way the loo roll should go. And I believe that that's the best way. 
And my parents always did it that way. And all the people I respect do it that way. Also, if you've got one of those little free-flowing loo roll inners, you have to squidge it, because otherwise it goes chung like that and goes all over the floor. There we go. Okay, that was obviously ridiculous, okay? Although, actually, I do like the loo roll to go from the back to the front. And those of you who know me well know I've had a chat about that before. Um, <laughs> but that's just a silly example of some of the ways we like to do things. Maybe it goes deeper and it's prejudice. But if you go back to the Ephesians 4 chapter that you've just read, there's a bit in it... I think it's around verse, uh, no, verse four, verse four, you were all called to travel on the same road. The, the New International Version um, translates that, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Right, I'm just going to take the loo roll illustration and just push it a bit further. Here we are, we're a cross-section of society. So there are going to be people here who have very strong political views. They might be far to the left, or far to the right, or there may be just one bit that they feel very passionately about. And it may well be that you are talking to somebody and you are from a different culture and you find it really hard to look them in the eye and say, you're my brother. You're my sister. Now, the people in Parliament, there are Christians in Parliament, there are Christians who are Conservatives, there are Christians who are Labour, there are Christians who are Liberal, and they meet together and they pray together. So, are we going to let that get in the way? Okay, that's political beliefs. That's nothing... You know, I mean, although you might go to the Bible and justify one position or the other from Scripture, it's not a deep doctrinal issue, is it? Okay. <clears throat> Creation and evolution. Um, there are people who hold very strongly to um, God created the earth in six literal 24-hour periods, and he rested on the seventh day. I used to believe that. Um, after a lot of research and heart-searching and what have you, I now believe God created the heavens and the earth and everything in them, and everything is held together by the power of his word. It's just I don't think that Genesis was ever meant to be read as a scientific handbook of how he did it. Now, I've got friends who hold to both sides of that uh, discussion. Am I going to let that get in the way of my relationship with them? No. But I'm just challenging you on it. We're just, you know, pushing this. And one of the challenges with that is, if somebody holds a different doctrinal position to the one you hold... Do you then write off whatever else they tell you about what the Bible says because they got that one thing, in your opinion, wrong? So we have to watch that in ourselves. 
Okay, let's push it a bit further. Um, Church of England at the moment is having, uh, has just voted that women can't be bishops. Um, and there are people within the Church of England who feel that they cannot have a woman bishop over them. And this is a thing that could split the Church of England. And I take no pleasure in that at all because it, it grieves me whenever God's people find that some difference like that is going to split them apart. And let's not be too smug here. I can remember when I had to wear a head covering to pray or prophesy. I can remember when I wouldn't be up here talking to you now. It's only very recently that we've come to this whole decision about it being okay for women to hold positions of authority, isn't it? And there are churches that we used to be in relationship with that don't agree with that. So are we going to let that get in the way of our relationship, our doing good to them? This Hesed love of God that Mark talked about. And the really hot potato at the moment, of course, is gay marriage. So the culture I grew up in, in the, grew up in within the church, is scripture is quite clear. That in the Old Testament and New Testament, there are passages that say that the homosexual act is absolutely forbidden and therefore gay marriage is completely blown out of the water. But there's the other point of view, and I'm wrestling with this right now, so I'm not saying one or the other. But the other point of view that is coming forward at the moment is that, do you know, we've interpreted this completely wrong. And if we're going to look at the Old Testament and we're not going to ban prawns and things like that, then do the laws about um, homosexuality still apply? And if you look at the New Testament, is it actually not about heterosexuality and homosexuality, but it's about promiscuity and chastity? It's a big challenge to us. And the big challenge is there if somebody comes into the church and says, I love God, he's my father. Jesus died on the cross for me. By the way, I'm gay. I'm bi. I'm trans. What about people who come looking for God? Are they going to be overwhelmed by the love of God, the Hesed love of God, Jesus who died on the cross for them? Or are they going to be overwhelmed by things we say or do that show our prejudice? There is one thing I'm absolutely sure about this whole thing, is that when Jesus died on the cross, his sacrifice was an equal opportunities sacrifice. He died for everybody. So the challenge, really, for us, is to understand our culture. 
to understand what's going on in here in the first place. And then we need God's discernment to see, okay, what is it about me that brings richness and diversity and gifting into the church so that my brothers and sisters can be encouraged? And what are the things in us that our culture, however deeply ingrained, that are not of God and need ditching? And that's where our brothers and sisters help us to see these things. But why am I saying we should go through all this discomfort? Why am I saying that we should actually go through this heart searching, some of it extremely uncomfortable? Why should we put up with this? Well, I've got three reasons here why I feel that this is absolutely essential. And the first is that we cannot be at war with ourselves. Christians cannot be at war with themselves. We're all part of the body. Ooh, oh, oh dear. We're all part of the body. And if one part of oh, oof, oh, oof, if one part of uh, if one part of my body starts fighting against my other bits of my body, if my blood suddenly says, I don't like you, liver. I don't like the way you purify me. You're going. And it, the liver dies and I'll start going all yellow and all manner of things will happen to me. That are, I really won't look very attractive, will I? No comments about what I looked like before I start hitting myself my liver. I'm not going to be, be attractive, am I? And we need to be attractive. Because when we express, and this is the second reason, when we express God's love for each other, Jesus said, then people will know you're my disciples by the way you love each other. And when we're attractive, people will come and they'll want to know who is this amazing, loving God. By the way, don't wait until we've reached perfection before you start inviting people because you'll wait a long time. We need to start inviting people now, and that will be part of the process of making us more mature and perfect. By allowing God, this is the third one, by allowing God to use lots of different people to encourage us, this is the only way that we will grow up. It's the only way that we will reach that fully mature beautiful woman beautiful woman the bride of Christ that's who Jesus is coming back for the church the bride of Christ it's only by allowing this to happen so let me encourage you have your five a day eat a rainbow so that you can grow up fully mature and strong Cooperate, because it's amazing what you can achieve when you cooperate with everybody. And let's not let any of our prejudices or ways of doing things get in the way of that marvelous hesed 
loving kindness shown to us when, boy, did we need it. Let's allow the love of God to show through us. Amen.